Amen. Um, I realized that I did not share what the reading was. So apologies, there is a reading. It is, um, we're reading from Mark 6, and it's verses 53 to 56. And I'll read. Mark 6, 53 to 56. After they had crossed the lake, this is Jesus and his disciples, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Today, as we finish the Abide series, we're asking that question, is Jesus still relevant today? And now I know that for many of us, that will be a very short sermon. Yes, he is on to communion. And perhaps that's what most of you are hoping for. <laughs> I'm sorry to let you down. But I wonder, when we look at our world and when we look deeply into our own lives and hearts, what is the answer that comes out? Is it the easy answer or is there something else happening there? Let us pray. Holy Spirit, please lead us into truth. And please help me up here. Without you, I will mess this up. But Holy Spirit, May you reveal to each and every one of us, myself included, what is in the heart of our Savior for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A friend of mine, she went to introduce herself as the local minister, as you do, to the primary schools in her area. And she was invited to give a talk to the children titled, Is Jesus Still Relevant Today? And as she shared that, it, it helped me to hear better what the Holy Spirit was trying to say for today. And so we deal with the question, is Jesus still relevant today? And I guess the first question is, well, what does Jesus do? Because to answer the question, is Jesus still relevant today, we have to go back to what is it that Jesus does because if you ask, I, I, I imagine that a while back you asked yourself the question, do we need a minister? Is a minister still relevant today? And I really hope you said yes. Um, but that's the thing. Do we, is Jesus still relevant? So we have to ask ourselves the question, what does Jesus do? In his own words, Jesus says that he came 
to save the world. That is his remit. His remit is to save the world. And indeed, whether it was Angel Gabriel showing up to Mary or whether it was the angels that showed up to the shepherds, they reiterate that point. Jesus is the savior of the world. He comes to save. That is his remit. But interesting is how Jesus saves. How he saves. And I guess one of the reasons perhaps why I missed out giving Lorna the scripture for this Sunday, apologies Lorna, was because I was struggling to find one scripture that captured Jesus in action. There were so many that captured Jesus in action that it was so difficult to narrow it down to one. You see, when Jesus walked on earth, every room that he entered into where there was chaos, he brought calm. Every space that Jesus walked into where there was chaos, he brought calm. Whatever that chaos was. We think about the the woman who comes to Simon's house and she's carrying the chaos of her guilt or the woman caught in adultery and and the chaos of all those men and religious leaders surrounding her, wanting to stone her, the condemning voices. Whether it was sickness of body, of soul, of mind, broken relationships, whether it was Lazarus when he was dead, when Jesus shows up at funerals, he he ends the funeral. I mean, the funeral directors probably really didn't like Jesus back then. Because Jesus would just show up at the funeral and say, funeral over, alive. And it's like Jesus just brought calm wherever there was chaos. This was what he did. And Jesus was so drawn to broken people and broken spaces. If Jesus entered a room and there was someone who was broken, whatever that was, he couldn't help himself. He would do something about it. The scriptures tell us that he would be so filled with compassion or a deep anger or a deep pain when he saw someone suffering that he would step into the situation and intervene, bringing calm to chaos everywhere. Jesus of the broken. So much so that I remember in the scriptures when blind Bartimaeus is is shouting out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're trying to tell him, shut up, shut up, stop disturbing him. And then eventually Jesus says, you know, bring him here. And they go to Bartimaeus and they say, cheer up, cheer up. He wants to see you because they knew that the moment this broken man was standing in front of Jesus, the story was going to change. He was going to save him. He was going to turn the situation around. And so people flocked towards Jesus because they needed that saving. I mean, this was a man who, whether it was healing he brought it, whether we needed restoration. We think about the, the disciples, they were lost. 
Their lives were going nowhere. They were struggling with their identity and who they were. But then Jesus steps into their story in every room, bringing calm where there was chaos. This is who Jesus was when he walked the street. This is how he saved. It was no wonder that the Pharisees, when they wanted to arrest Jesus, when they wanted to take him away, they were like, oh, we have to do it at a time when he's not surrounded by the people or the people, they would riot. Because I don't know about you, but I would riot if you wanted to take away someone who I never even had to worry. I mentioned that time they didn't even have to worry about someone being sick because they were like, oh, you're sick. Oh, don't worry. Let's just go to Jesus. Oh, I'm in pain. Oh, don't worry. Let's just get to Jesus. Oh, I feel like I'm carrying this load of guilt and fear and anxiety. Let's just get to Jesus. Oh, someone I love is struggling. Let's just get to Jesus. Jesus calming the chaos in every room. So much so that the disciples say to themselves, who is this man? So this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did. And I guess the question then is, does the world need this Savior? And the question of whether Jesus is relevant today is the question, does the world need this kind of savior? Not because there are different people that offer themselves as saviors and there are different things that offer themselves as saviors. So, for example, for the Trump supporters in America, Donald Trump is a kind of savior to them. I don't really follow rugby, but I imagine that for some there will be the player. Who's the player, Bill? That's like the main man for England. Will Farrell. He, but he, he, he is, oh, he's the one. He wasn't the one, was he? But there was, <laughs> there was that. Sorry, too soon, too soon. Sorry, sorry. Forgive, forgive, forgive him, Will. Forgive him, Bill. He knows not what he does. But there's so many people so many spaces that say oh yeah we can save we can bring calm to this chaos the question though is that the, does the world need this savior the savior jesus as presented in the scriptures not not the jesus that we have made in our own image not that jesus because it's interesting, they did a project and they asked a couple of people to write what they think Jesus' views were on a couple of things. And everybody, to a man, to a woman, wrote exactly what their views were and said that was what Jesus' views were as well. We create a Jesus in our own image, a Jesus who is limited by our own limitations, a Jesus who is shaped by our own intellect. But I'm not asking about that Jesus. I'm asking about the one who is revealed in the scriptures. I'm asking about the one that the disciples testify of. I'm asking about the Jesus who steps into every room 
and brings calm when there's chaos. I'm talking about the Jesus who gives meaning to lives that were lost. Does the world need this savior? Do I need this savior? Do you need this savior? Well, I don't know if you have looked out the window recently into the world. I don't know if you've looked out the window recently into your own life. But I see chaos everywhere. And I see a world that is lost, that has lost its way, that doesn't know whether it's coming or going. Sometimes I look through the windows of my life and I see chaos. And then I look into the scriptures and I see that there is someone, there is this Jesus, who when he walked on earth, there was no chaos bigger than him. There was no one who was too lost, who had lost their way so much that he couldn't bring them home, that he couldn't give their lives purpose and meaning and hope. I think that many can argue about the reality of Jesus and whether Jesus existed and whether Jesus was the Son of God and whether he resurrected, and there can be all those arguments. But I think it will be very difficult to argue that the world doesn't need this Jesus that the scriptures reveal. That if this person was here, that the world wouldn't need him. I think that is a very, very difficult argument to make. This Jesus is so desperately needed. I desperately need him. The church desperately needs this Jesus. And the world does as well. But the question, and I guess the question at the heart of that original question, is Jesus still relevant today? Is perhaps it's this one. Is this Jesus, the one we see in the scriptures, is this Jesus still available to us? It says there in the passage that we read that all who touched him were healed. Can we still touch him? Is this Jesus still in the room in the same way as he was in the room here as we read it in the scriptures? That is the heart of the question. We have a Jesus as revealed in the scriptures that whatever room he stepped into, whether it was oppression, whether it was captivity, whether it was guilt, whether it was shame, whether it was identity, whatever room he stepped into, peace, calm, hope, healing, 
Does Jesus, is Jesus still stepping into rooms in the same way? That is the heart of the question. And I don't know what your experience of the answer to that question is. But as Jesus prepares to leave, he's preparing his disciples for a time when his physical body will no longer be on earth. He's preparing them for that reality. And interesting we find, and that is why I think from John 14 to John 17, so important, so important for us as church today because Jesus reveals that the words that he's speaking is not just for the benefit of the disciples there and then. It's for the benefit of all his disciples, all who would believe. He was preparing all of us for a reality where his physical body would not be on earth. It's interesting, there was the Greek philosopher, Socrates, who was a very clever boy. I mean, you have to be very clever, clever to be called Socrates, I think. And he was so clever and he was so influential in his time. And when he died... His disciples, his followers were known to have said, or were believed to have said, you have abandoned us as orphans. You have left us as orphans. It was a sense of, Socrates, you have gone. What do we do now? Who do we turn to now? Jesus says to his disciples, not just to the 12, not just to those who were sat in the room that day, but for all of us, he says, I will not abandon you as orphans. See, at the time, Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand that his physical body in heaven does not mean that he still would not be entering rooms on earth in a very real way. That the fact that his physical body would be in heaven would not diminish his ability to step into rooms on earth. And hence, his reply to Philip's question, when Philip says to him, show us the Father, that is all we need. Show us the Father. That is all we need. And Jesus says to him, do you not still know me, Philip? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand that where one is present, all are present. Where one is present, all are present. And then he goes on to speak about his spirit who will dwell with us. And Jesus' spirit dwelling with us is not in some abstract way. Because I imagine that when perhaps shortly after Tim left, there was probably a sense where it was like, oh, Tim's spirit is still here. Because there were things that you would do and you would say that were still the things that Tim would do and say when he was here. But when Jesus speaks about his spirit being 
with us. It is not in an abstract way. It is in a very real way. It is in a way when Jesus is saying, I am in the room. I will still be in the room. In the exact way that I was in the room with you then, in the exact way that I am in the room with you now, I will still be in the room because my spirit will be in the room. And Jesus tells them it will be even in a more wonderful way because he tries to help them to understand that his physical body doesn't need to be on earth because his spirit has a new body to dwell in while he's on earth. The body of the church, the body of every believer, that mind-blowing truth that because you are in the room, Jesus is in the room. That mind-blowing, almost ridiculous truth that because you are in the room, Jesus is in the room in a very real way. Perhaps that is why Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Not because he wanted to have bombs on seat on a Sunday, but so that he could walk into every room. Because as many as his disciples are spread across the world, so is Jesus. It is mind-blowing. It is almost too good to be true. And I don't know what your experience is of that truth. Even as I say it, it sounds like one of those things that are really lovely to say, but in reality, it's like, actually, Jesus, it's just me in the room. It's just me in the room. Because we think, the scriptures push the scriptures push that point that Jesus is the same. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means if this is true, if this is actually true, which means that the Jesus who steps into a room and sees someone suffering and has to do something about it is still the same Jesus who's in the room today. If that is true, then the Jesus of the broken, the Jesus whose heart is deep with compassion for our pain and our suffering, he is the same Jesus in each room. It is at the heart of the good news about Jesus Christ that our Savior is not dead. And our Savior did not abandon us, but is very much alive and present with us right now, even here. But perhaps, like the disciples, we feel like we are in a locked room. A locked room with our fears, with our disappointments, with our mistakes, 
a locked room with anxieties, a locked room with a, what do we do now? A locked room with our, this problem is bigger than me. This is where the disciples found themselves without Jesus. Just sat in a locked room with the darkness. Because here's the thing with the disciples. When Jesus was there, they were brave, they were courageous, they were doing things that they could never even have imagined that they were able to do. They were unbelievable. Peter was saying, Jesus, just call me out and I'll I'll do some dancing, not dancing on ice, but dancing on water. John and James were like, Should we call down fire from heaven? I mean, they were living in a completely different reality. When Jesus was taken away, they were stuck in a locked room with their fear, with the darkness, with the burdens of life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself stuck in that locked room. But the, re- the reality of the, of the gospel is that because the resurrected Jesus walks with us, the room doesn't need to be dark. But sometimes, if we're honest, we can't find where the light switch is. We can't see him. My prayer for us is that Pentecost happens for us in his own way in our lives. Because something happened for the, for the disciples in that locked room when they encounter the resurrected Jesus. Something happens for them. And something happens for the disciples at Pentecost where they come alive to the reality that Jesus is still in the room. That Jesus is still in the room in a very real way, just as he was back then. Because the disciples begin to do things and to move in ways that they only did when Jesus was next to them. When Jesus was away from them, they were hiding, they were denying that they knew him, they were going back to their former jobs as fishermen. But the moment that they came alive to the fact that Jesus is still here, in a real way through his spirit, it transformed their lives. And it transformed the world so much that we are still feeling the impact of people who came alive to the fact that Jesus was still in the room. Centuries later, we are still feeling the impact of a group of uneducated men who came alive to the fact that Jesus was still in the room. And that is my prayer for myself, but that is my prayer for us. God, may we come alive, truly come alive, to Jesus being right here with us because it changes everything. It changes the way that I face my fears. It changes the way that I face a Monday. It changes the way that I come into a Sunday. It changes everything.
It changes relationships. It changes work. It changes mission. It changes everything. That Jesus in the room is not just something we say empty from a religious speak, but it is a very real truth in our lives. And there are many who by the power of the Holy Spirit have woken up to that truth and my goodness, they have given the world a real shake as a result. So why not us? Why not us? We are those that Christ died for. We are those that Christ resurrected for. We are those that he dwells with every single day. Why not us? We have traveled the road to Emmaus for too long. My prayer is that today will be the day when our eyes are open to see Jesus, to truly recognize that he has been there all along. Jesus will always appear to not be relevant until the church understands how to walk with him. Until the church knows how to introduce a world that so desperately needs Jesus to the Savior that it desperately needs, that question will always be asked. Let us not reduce our Savior to a list of do's and don'ts, commands, rituals, religiosity. He is so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. As Jesus moves and as he does what only Jesus can do, the people of the time, they turn to him and they say, we also want to do the things, the work of God. We also want to get involved in the work of God. Tell us, how can we get involved in the work of God? And Jesus simply says to them these words, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. To truly believe, that is the work of God. To truly come alive to Jesus Christ. There is a scene in the movie Matrix. I don't know how many of you have seen. Have any of you seen Matrix? Am I a few? If you haven't seen Matrix, talk to the guys who have. But there's a scene at the end, and the lead character, Neo, there are these villains that are constantly fighting him and coming after him. And whenever the villains would show up, Neo would run. That was what you did. When the villains showed up, when the bad guys showed up, because they were bigger and they were stronger, and when they showed up, you ran. And you ran as fast as you could. That was what you did. That was what you always did. It came to a point in the movie, the villains show up, and Neo, he turns, he begins to run, but then he stops and he turns around to face them. 
And his guys who were watching, they say, what is he doing? What is he doing? And the guy who mentors him says, he's beginning to believe. He's beginning to believe. For too long, we have run away from the giant. For too long, we have run away from our fears. We have run away from the darkness. It has bitten us. It has locked us in a room. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we begin to believe that he that is in us, he that is for us, is greater than anything that the world can throw against us. By his grace, may we stop doing religion and actually start living with Jesus every day. He died to give us this great treasure. May we dwell in it. May we fully dwell in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The musicians come forward. Let's pray. echo the words of one of the many broken stories that you came and you brought healing to. Lord, we believe. Help our own belief. Lord, we believe. Help our own belief. We have journeyed too much with um, with brokenness, Lord. With a story, with stories defined by brokenness. We want to journey with you, Jesus, in a real way, not in a religious way, not in an artificial way, not in a put on your Sunday best way, Lord. We want to dwell with you in a real way. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. I pray for, for Pentecost in our lives. I pray for Pentecost in this room. I pray for Pentecost in our hearts. A true coming alive to you, our Jesus. Help us, we pray, in your name. Amen. Amen.